Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, episode 759. Yeah, 800 soon of the Real Deal Podcast with Surreal Gerald Quinn on this 15th of February, 2021. Still getting used to saying 2021. Um, it was, of course, Surreal Gerald Quinn discussing the world of sports and pop culture. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, if you're fortunate enough to have a day off today, I uh, hope you took advantage of that as well uh, as you head back into the work week um, tomorrow for some of you. Um, let me get right to it in regards to uh, the NBA because a lot of stuff going on. Number one, you have Anthony Davis um, tweaked his, I shouldn't say tweaked, he hurt his Achilles uh, injury that he re-aggravated. Um, now he's going to be out anywhere from two to three weeks with uh, Achilles strain. Uh, if the Lakers are smart, I would sit him however long it takes. Like, yeah, I mean, you have to sit him until, I don't care if it's till you know, May or April. Um, they cannot win a championship without Anthony Davis. And, you know, that goes without saying. And also, I think that, you know, you gotta get, you, you've got to try to convince Le- LeBron to, to cut down on his to cut down on his minutes, uh, LeBron's going to see this as an opportunity because I know we know how he thinks. Going to see this as an opportunity to win uh, MVP, which he has put just way too much emphasis on. I mean, he's been, you know, since you know since the championship, since the bubble, you know, he's been talking about this, talking about the MVP, and I want my damn respect too. And he's you know already was already planting seeds about. Uh, the MVP coming into this season, coming off the bubble. Now is the time that it's not about the MVP right now um, or his his MVP candidacy. It's about the Lakers being healthy enough, healthy going into the playoffs. Uh, that's what it's all about. And the Lakers do not. The Lakers don't need to have the best record in the league or the Western Conference. The Lakers could be a. It doesn't matter if they're healthy. They are going to be the team to beat. Uh, in the Western Conference, if they're healthy. So it's really not even about seeding. Home court is not going to mean anything. I l- Listen, you want, would you would you want to play the Clippers of Denver in the first round? Of course not. But if you have to, if that means, if that's a sacrifice for keeping Anthony Davis and LeBron healthy, then so be it. So be it. Um, again, it's going to be... I you know they somebody's got to be able to get I don't think somebody's got to be able to convince LeBron not so much about not going for MVP, the MVP but more about going about resting about uh, trimming those minutes a bit and really keeping him fresh for the postseason. He's immediately going to think, hey, this is my I I definitely could win the MVP this year with Anthony Davis being out. If I if I maintain his team's record near, if we maintain to be at the top of the, the conference or top of the league, um, so they that seems that the health of the Lakers, the health of Anthony Davis, the health of LeBron James should be absolutely the prior number one priority. I don't see I don't see the Lakers making any moves um, to combat this. They're a deep team. They have guys. You know, Kuzma started last night. I and mean, Kuzma, Kuzma has actually played well this season. Um, I'm not going to second guess Anthony Davis coming back. He had missed, uh, like, well, he had missed a couple games. Uh, at least, you know, from from all the reports 
this seems like an injury that he's just going to have to play, he's going to have to play with uh, in regards to his, it seems like the Achilles is going to be bothering him for the rest of the season. And the only way that this is going to get healed is a full off season of, uh, of rest. Uh, this is not an uh, injury where I think he's, that that's going to require surgery. It's one of those things that, you know, it's kind of like, it's not, ten, it's, it's actually worse than tendonitis. Uh, it's actually, there's actually some structural, a little bit of structural damage uh, in the Achilles, uh, in, in the Achilles, but not major enough to keep him out for the whole season. So it's not that major, but but concerning enough to where he needs to where he needs to sit down for a minute. So I expect him to sit down longer longer than three weeks. I would not be surprised if we didn't see Anthony Davis back until mid April, early May. To be honest with you. So again, the big part of this is again convincing LeBron to shave minutes. Um. You know, you allow other guys, other guys to get acclimated, in, in, you know, in terms of, you know, some of the other guys to play some other, you know, to take up some of those minutes. Uh, some other guys, you know, again, they have a deep team. So, this is, you know, if this were last year, uh, it would be much more concerning. But this year, their team is, their, 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 their team is deeper, much deeper than they were, uh, than they were last year. So, they should be able to keep their heads above water per se. I, they're not going to go. I mean, you still have LeBron James on the team, so they're not going to go into the tank. Um, but to me, the, the main concern I would be would be convincing about would be convincing LeBron not uh, to not go full full board playing forty minutes, thirty eight minutes, and what have you. you know, play him 33, 32 to thirty four minutes, and uh, until you know until the uh, playoffs get uh, playoffs come around. Uh, Luka Doncic's plan is back to what he should have looked like at the beginning of the season, and and, and back playing like an MVP, and, you know, playing MVP type basketball, caliber basketball. We've seen what he did. To, we saw what he did to uh, last night. He had I think forty four nine and seven, even though they lost. They've been playing better basketball. They're starting to make some shots. With in terms of Dallas, um, he's finally in shape. I mean, you know, Luka came to he came to the. Uh, Came into the season completely out of shape. Um, well, out of shape enough to where it, it, he just, you know, he did not, on the reports that he did not expect the season to start as quickly as it did, which I don't, you know, uh, maybe his agent and his people's around him got, just got some bad information. I don't understand how you were not training for the season, anticipating the season would start when it started, but that's a whole nother story. But the bottom line is, I mean, he, you know, this guy, is back to playing the type of basketball that had him favored by Vegas coming into the season to be the uh, MVP of the league. Now, Dallas is still a, they'll be, you know, they're going to struggle. They're, they're probably, I, I think Dallas probably will make the playoffs because he's that, he's that great of a player, but they're not, you know, they, they are not a, uh, they, they won't be, they're not a contender in the Western conference. The West conference is too deep. Um, but but again, you'll get, you know, the NBA in the worst way would want to have Luca in the playoffs. So, but again, it's good to see him playing the, the kind of basketball that we've been accustomed to seeing him playing, especially in the bubble, especially uh, last season when he was first team all NBA. Um, you have a couple of guys that could really impact um, impact some title contention. And in particular, in terms of Blake Griffin, 
and Andre Drummond. Now, Drummond more so, because I, I, I frankly don't know how much Griffin has left in the tank or can Griffin even stay on the floor. But if he's able to stay on the floor, you know, he can still do some things, but more so Drummond. So these two guys are going to be sitting down until, until their respective teams. Griffin, of course, plays for Detroit. And Drum, Andre Drummond, of course, is with the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're going to be their teams are going to be sitting now until they either get traded or bought out. So either they're going to get traded or bought out. I think Drummond, without question, will be traded because he he by far has way more value than Blake Griffin. I mean, Andre Drummond defensively rebounding. Uh, if you know if you're the New Jersey, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you certainly have your will have your eye on him. Again, I don't know how much Griffin has left in the tank, to be honest with you. Yeah, like I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tie. Listen, even at a buyout, even even if he were bought out, I wouldn't touch. I would not touch Blake Griffin because I just don't know if he can stay on the floor, especially uh, in this condensed season. So those two guys are not going to be playing uh, until they're either bought out or, or or traded. And of course, Saturday night you had Durant. Coming back to uh, going back to going back to uh, to the Bay or Golden State, his first time playing at that, that their you know new arena, which uh, which came which kicked off last season, um, and, and you know they did what they had to, of course had their way with uh, Golden State, one thirty four to one seventeen. Got you know great performances from uh, James Harden. Uh, James Harden, Kyrie played well late, but that game was that game was mostly about James Harden, who was in. Uh, control of the game in terms of the, with the pace and with you know with his playmaking. Um, very interesting that you know Kyrie Irving has to let the world know what we already knew when James Harden got to the Nets, or at least at or at least after three or four games after James Harden played with the Nets, is that he was the point guard. Like, like, I didn't I didn't need Kyrie. <laughs> we didn't need that confirmation that James Harden is the point guard of that team. But, but, but I guess it's official now because Kyrie said that uh, he's the point guard, I'm the two guard. So I, I guess now it's official that James Harden is the point guard of the Brooklyn Nets. But I feel like we've been knowing that for the past, since James, basically since James Harden got there, he's been the point guard and been the playmaker on that team. And which, which, uh, which by the way, it should be that way. He should handle the ball more than Kyrie Irving. Um, Considering that he's just a better, he's just a flat out better playmaker than Kyrie Irving, so I, I guess Kyrie just had to let you know, just had to let us know, not you know, just had to you know, you know, not, I don't want to say pass the torch, but I guess he had to be he had to bequeath the point guard position to uh, one James Harden. So you know, yeah, Kyrie being Kyrie, um, but again, you know, the Nets. Now, Durant, speaking of injuries, Durant's going to miss the next couple of two games with a hamstring. I, I don't think, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I don't think it's a serious injury. Even though you hear hamstring, you know how hamstrings can be dicey. I just think this is, you know, I, I think they're going to be very, very careful of Kevin Durant. I really do. I think they're going to be very, you saw those games that Durant missed. They are not the same team. You know, Kyrie can miss some games, they'll be fine. Harden can miss some games, and, and you have Durant, Kyrie, and they'll be fine. Even with Durant, even with Kyrie and Harden, they cannot afford to, to have Durant, uh, to have Durant miss significant time, but not be on the court. Is so they're going to be 
you know, as careful as careful can be in regards to Kevin Durant. Any small, tw- anytime they get a chance to rest him, they will. This is all this to it. They, they absolutely will. Um, you also see uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard a little, a little banged up. Again, I, I don't know how serious those injuries are. I think, I, listen, I think you're going to see a lot of teams start to, are going to be resting these guys, um, especially their star players, and coming up with these injuries that are, you know, you a back strain or stuff that's minor, very minor, very, you know, stuff that they probably could play with. But again, remember, we're coming off the bubble, uh, condensed season, quick turnaround. So keep that in mind. Um, and teams are not teams are not outright going to say, you know, we're sending a guy for a rep, you know, to rest for the most part. We now the Wizards, we've seen that a couple of times, but the Wizards are not, you know, they're not a national team. Let's be honest. Like they don't. They're not on too many. The Wizards, the Wizards actually have been home more television games than, I, than I've realized. But uh, I don't think the NBA is really stressing the Wizards sitting out guys, to be honest with you, uh, especially with no fans. But uh, we, we saw Bradley Bill miss his first game this weekend of the season. He probably needed a more mental health break than anything playing with that team. But uh, you're going to see a lot of, you're gonna see a lot of players, a lot of these star players, start to begin to really to miss games. Uh, with the with the uh, with how this season is uh, being configured. Also, great game tonight. Uh, Utah, Philadelphia, Philadelphia has struggled on this West Coast swing uh, to start out. They had a, a brutal loss to Portland. That was a very winnable game, and another winnable game against Phoenix. Those are two games that they easily could have won um, on this West Coast swing. But they, so they're playing, playing and again. The West Coast is you get the wrong West Coast trip. It could be it could be just brutal because the West Coast is loaded. Uh, there are really no. I mean, how many easy spots? How many easy spots are there in the West Coast in the Western Conference? Um, maybe Oklahoma City. I mean, even Memphis can be can be frisky at times. But um, yeah, Portland and Portland, who's playing, who actually is playing well, had a great win last night against against Dallas in Dallas. Uh, another clutch shot from Damian Lillard uh, as him and Luca kind of went back and forth. So they're playing well, and they we know we know all the type of injuries that they have right now. Um, and they keep this up, you know. Damian Lillard will have to be mentioned on the fringe of uh, of some MVP talk if they keep uh, you know, if they keep winning games at this rate. Um, but you know, very interesting matchup uh, tonight with Utah and the Sixers again. In regards to Utah, no, they have the best record in the league, twenty-two and five won like 18 of the last 19 games. I'm not sold on Utah. I think Utah is a classic regular season team. I'm really not sold on Utah because I just don't buy, I don't buy into their second score. I, I don't think they have legit second score. Uh, Gobert, great defensive player, will get you some put-back dunks and catch my loop dunks, but you can't throw the ball into Rudy Gobert and say, give me a basket. No, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Now, he and, he and Diamond Mitchell will be all-stars this year. Gobert could be could be defensive player of the year. Mitchell probably will be on one of these All NBA teams, uh, but uh, they don't have that second guy, that second star player who can get a bucket. You need at least two of those. Uh, you know, the Nets have the Nets have three of them. <laughs> okay, 
So you need at least two of those guys that can get you buckets, especially in the playoffs. They only have one. Again, I think they're they're a deep team. They shoot the three well. They do they do everything. They do a lot of things well that will get you a lot of that will get you a a, a big time regular season record. Deep team, uh, defend, shoot, shoot the ball well. So they they have the makeup of, of, of that type of team. They are not quite to me built for the playoffs. Now, if Anthony Davis's Achilles is is you know doesn't get better, and the Lakers are or the, the Lakers are compromised from that standpoint, then you know all bets are off. Could you know could Utah make a run in the playoffs and, and get to the finals possibly? Maybe because that you know when you get past the Lakers, no dominant team in, in the uh, the Western Conference that's going that, that should scare Utah. Um, you know. Not Denver, not the Clippers, not Portland, not none of those teams. So, but I'm I'm going by the assumption until I see otherwise that if Anthony Davis is back relatively healthy, then they they can't they cannot beat the Lakers. But again, but again that again, a lot of that depends on the health of Anthony Davis. But again, I I think Utah is very good. I think Utah is very good. I think they're improved. They're not. I don't think they can win a championship. I just don't. So, um, you, you know, certainly keep your eye on them. Uh, Boston struggling. They just need to get healthy. They got a bunch, you know, Kimber Walker's been in and out. You have uh, Tatum was awful last night, but, you know, that's an aberration. But, my, listen, Marcus Smart, you can say what you want about Marcus Smart. The, the flopping annoys you. That guy is that, that guy is a winning basketball player. He is a top defensive player, perimeter defensive player. He is a guy that can, you can make outside shots. He is one of those in, intangible guys that that you know that you can win championships with, and that they miss him in the worst way. In the worst way, they miss him. His intensity, his uh, just you know his swag on the court. Um. So you again, you can say what you want about Marcus Smart. Love him or hate him. He he is a valuable he's a valuable uh, piece of, of that team, and it's not a coincidence that they that his his injury has coincided with with, with the Celtic struggles. That's certainly not a coincidence at all. He's been. But with that being said, you have two all stars on your team. You sh- they still shouldn't be playing that. They should they should be they should not be a five on your team. And that's what they are right now. They should not be a five on your team with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the team. So it'd be interesting to see if they can kind of get, you know, keep their heads above water until uh, Smart gets back. Very interesting situation going on with one Russell Wilson. He went on the Dan Patrick show last week, um, middle of the week, and basically, basically was complaining about getting hit too much. He did take some, you know, some responsibility for it, considering his playing style and how he likes to hold the ball to make plays, um, you know, allow his receivers to get open and making plays on a run. But, uh, you know, threw in the fact that he would like more say in terms of personnel decisions. Now, a few ways you could take this. You could take it that he wants he wants more money, you can, or you can take it, and this is the way I take it, that he wants 
out of Seattle and that he is doing this. He's kind of like not outright saying he wants out of Seattle or not outright saying he wants more money. He's, he's trying to, he's kind of trying to play the political, uh, you know, sublim- give a subliminal political message. And from that standpoint, I think that, you know, I'll be interested to watch, to watch this situation because if I'm Seattle, um, there's no way I'm trading Russell Wilson. Like, there's, he he would have to absolutely, he would have to, I don't, he would have to just sit out. He would have to sit out, demand the trade outright, come out, demand the trade, sit out the season. There's no way in the world that I would trade. Russell Wilson. It just would not happen. Um, you know, you see this type of situation. Again, quarterbacks are starting to realize how much power they have, how much influence that they have. And we are uh, we are seeing a shift. Um, we're, seeing, we're seeing something is happening right now. And it's going to be very interesting to see how the NFL deals with this. Because it's not going anywhere. Uh, the quarterback position we know is the most important position in all the sports. Uh, the most valuable position in all the sports. And you know you you're going to watch with that. What I, I Houston could talk all they want. Houston's going to trade. They're going to trade to Deshaun Watson. That's going to happen. They're going to trade Deshaun Watson. And once that you know once you know and once that drops. I think you're going to see you're going to see a, a shift change in the NFL, uh, in particular uh, with a lot of these, you know, in particular at, at the, with these quarterbacks who are still in their primes and who are who can you know who can demand who have the kind of influence to where Russell Wilson can get players to come play with him. And Russell Wilson can get players to come with, play with him. Who, you know, they're, they're guys that would that would take a little take a little less money to go play with Russell Wilson if I win a championship. That's really put it's put Seattle in an, in an interesting spot because they, you know, Jamal Adams, they traded a lot of capital to get Jamal Adams. Okay. And Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams played great this year. First team all pro again, Pro Bowl, the whole nine. Um, so, uh, you trade Russell Wilson, Jamal Adams is not going to want to be there. You trade Russell Wilson. Again, I want to see how Russell Wilson plays this. Is Russell Wilson the kind of player that would cause disruption in, in the locker room? If he were not traded, because I think he wants to be traded myself. I really believe he wants to be traded. Yeah, he's been with Pete. Listen, been with Pete Carroll. Sometimes player, you know, sometimes players get tired of coaches and tired, you know, sometimes these these guys, you know, remember these this generation of athletes, and I'm not knocking them, it's not they're not, they like guys like to move around. Guys like to, I mean, we see it in the NBA. Guys like to move around. 
And, you know, it's ugly. You know, when he said that on the Dan Patrick show, like he basically threw, he threw the organization under the bus. He threw the opposite line under the bus. Threw a lot of people under the bus, which is uncharacteristic of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has came off as the ultimate team guy, the consummate locker room guy. That was that was a very calculated move by Russell Wilson. That was not just Russell Wilson just running his mouth. He knew exactly what he was doing. Could have easily went behind closed doors to Seattle, to the Seattle Brass, Pete Carroll, uh, the general manager, and and you know said, look. This is what I want. This is what I think should happen. No, 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 no. He chose to go on a syndicated uh, national talk show host pr- program and say, you know, put it out and put it out there. The question to me is because I, quarterbacks, you know, I want to see how Deshaun Watson plays his situation. How that plays out. Um, will the NFL, who has been used to doing things their way forever, which teams are going to adjust with, with this changing of the times? Because times are changing in the NFL in regards to this quarterback situation, in regards to player player empowerment, in, in regards to quarterbacks. So they have like they have that type of influence, that type of power. Which teams will adjust adjust? Because they're gonna they're gonna be a number of teams that you know. Are gonna have be are gonna be just satisfied and content with doing it doing it the way it's been done. You're the player, you play, you have no say in any moves or any free agency or anything like that. So that they with that 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 mentality that's that's dominated the NFL for a hundred years. Um, there's gonna be a number of teams that are still on on you know who are still will still uh, hear that hear that. There will be a couple teams. There will be a couple teams that you know say, you know what, this is 2021. I need you don't win without a great quarterback. That's you know, okay. What what do you want? What do you want, Russell? But I'll be honest with you. I don't think I heard somebody may have made a point about this. You know, well, is that quarterback willing to do the scouting and hundreds of hours of preparation that it takes to draft a player? Or you know, free or pick a free agent? No, 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 no. This, you're missing the whole boat. Quarter organizations. And I, I, um, Mike Tenenbaum mentioned this in, in an article today. Says it's nothing new for an organization to consult with a player, a quarterback, about a prospective free agent, or ask a player, a quarterback, what do, what do you need? It's not out. It's not out of the ordinary. It's happened before. So it's not a matter of you giving Russell Wilson the power to make that decision. It's just a matter of you giving him the respect to to say, hey, Russell, what do you think? What do you think about our offense? What do you think, you know, what, you know, what could you use? What, you know, how can we get better? Rather than, you know, just shut up and throw the football. Because when you don't say anything, when you don't say anything, in essence, what you're telling him to do is shut up and, and throw the football. You're getting paid a lot of money. You got you know that Brett Favre, Dick Vermeil mentality. You're getting paid a lot of money. You don't you don't need a say in terms of what we do with our organization, despite the fact that you as a quarterback are by far the most important aspect of of the team 
And, you know, you as a quarterback has to have, have the influence to get, you know, to bring, you know, to get free agents, to get free agents to come here. Or you as a quarterback have, you know, know, you know, know what we need for our offense. So I don't think I don't think Russell Wilson wants to be a, a quasi general manager, or vice president of the team. No, just wants to be included. Wants to be treated like a fran- a, a a superstar franchise quarterback in twenty twenty one. Besides getting paid the money, it's not about it's just not about the money anymore with with, with, with today's athlete. This is not about the money. These guys are smart businessmen. They are, especially in the, in the NBA, they are smart businessmen. They're making a ton of money off the court in endorsements. Russell Wilson is making a, a lot of money in terms of endorsements. He manages, hell, he's managing, you know, Seattle. No, she's probably making my way at her right now, but anyway, that's, that's, all, that's another story. But the point is, it's just not about you can't just you, you can't just buy these dudes and it, that doesn't that doesn't work anymore. They are these guys are way more sophisticated with their thought process than just than just writing a check. And again, our organizations going to realize that the ones that do they're going to win the championships. The ones that don't will be left behind. It's just that simple. I uh, had an opportunity, to, of course, to see uh, Judas and the Black Messiah this weekend. This course is out on um, streaming. Yeah, um, that's been the one thing about the streaming process, uh, about streaming, and you know, depending the one, you know, I, I still rather see watch a movie at the movie theaters. I really, I much rather really saw this at the movie theaters, at the movie theater. But you know what? You know, thank good, thank good, thank God for HBO Max. Um, it is one of these movies where uh, you, it's very triggering as a black man. It's absolutely a must-see. It's one of these movies that will make you want to know more. Want to know more. There's all this to it. Uh, I, ordered a, I ordered a book yesterday, a couple of days ago, about the Black Panther Party. Um, I'll pull it, pull it up real quick. Uh, the name of the book I strongly recommend. I'm only 20 pages into it. And I'm already hooked. Uh, the Black Black Against the Empire: The History and Politics of the Black Panther Party um, by by Joshua Bloom and Waldo Martin Jr. Um, this is a movie that. Again, gave you a perspective that, that we had never seen before. We had never seen the Fred Hampton story put out on film and gave you that much more insight on the Black, on the Black Panther party. Um, again, I'm not giving anything away. I mean, it's based off a true story, but there are some aspects in the movie that I'm sure people did not know because uh, you know, it's been a while. It's happened in what, the late '60s, early '70s, late you know, late the late '60s. But it is a movie that you that will just make you think, will make you think, and will you know you'll 
you'll, you'll be asking a lot of questions uh, after watching this. Uh, to me, I, you know, I say, I think it's the best movie I've seen since Black Panther. And that was in 2018. So in the last three years, it's the best movie I've seen. And the performances were, you know, top notch. I mean, you know, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Daniel Kalua, both. And again, not that they need validation from the Academy Awards, but uh, it would be, you know, it would be a joke if they didn't receive, receive Oscar nominations. Um, but this, you know, this is one of those movies that just you, you have to just uh, is when I mean a must see is an absolute must see, and it really speaks to you know it speaks it spoke to a couple of things it spoke to it spoke to white fear, and it spoke to the power of the people. Those are two things that it spoke to to me. Uh, we'll get back to the power of the people because that was will that will be brought up again in this podcast. But um, but white fear. I mean, this you know what transpired, the events that transpired, uh, were were a lot to do with mainly do with 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 with, with uh, white fear. I mean, there's no two ways about it. So definitely recommend it. Um, now I've already know some people that have seen it, watched it multiple times. I don't know if I can watch it multiple times. I, it's very, again, it's, it's, I keep using the word trigger. Anyway. I, it's, you know, it, it, it hits a lot of spots. It hits, it, it's, it's, a, it's a tough watch from that standpoint uh, as a black man. It really is. So, might watch it again. I might need, a, I might need another week or so before I, or a couple weeks before I watch it again. I'm going to watch it again, of course. Um, but uh, I don't know if I can watch it multiple times. You know, I watched Black Panther three times in like in a two week time span. I don't think that's. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think that's gonna happen with this movie with me. But it might. Uh, you know, who knows? We'll, we'll see. But definitely, definitely check this movie. Uh, check this movie out. Dave Chappelle. Um, Back in the news, uh, Chappelle dropped a uh, was it a special? But he he dropped a, a snippet about it was about ten minutes, really about seven and a half minutes because the last three minutes of it were were uh, showing highlights of uh, Chappelle's show uh, as he you know got that back. Um, he mentioned he talked about a lot. He talked about a few things. Talked about uh, how you know how he got compensated for Chappelle's show due to. Uh, the power of the audience. Once he told the, once he told people that don't support Chappelle's show, considering how to, you know, don't support Chappelle's show. Um, now, you know, not only the Netflix and those streaming services pull it, but it wasn't worth anything because people basically stopped fucking with the show. And you know, he said that you know they came back to him, they uh, cut him a check. Uh, Apologized, did all did all the right things, and the show is back on streaming services. Back on, I saw it back on, you know, back on HBO Max. And he said, you know, he said that was due to the power of the people. That was due to you, the consumer, who said who stopped watching it, and it made it and and made it a worthless commodity, basically. And you know that you know he said he said a few other things as well. 
you know, talking about people that were that was talking that was calling him out for having comedy shows during Corona, even though he was taking every type of precaution, knowing the man. I mean, they, you hear stories of the when Chappelle was having those shows, you had to be tested. Everybody was getting tested multiple times a day, so it was just one of those things that, it, you know, people, you know, he just he ended up getting caught. You know, he ended up catching it, but um, you know, he said you know catching it, but uh, it wasn't. He didn't catch it because of a lack of precautions um there's a lack of precautions of being reckless but the most important thing he said to me was how much power like we have we as society we as people have power that we realize that we don't realize we have um we get frustrated with government we get frustrated with systems and institutions but we can change those systems. We can change those institutions. It's, it, to me, it's kind of like, how far are you willing to go? Like, with uh, what transpired with the Chappelle show, people people clearly stopped watching. Now that you know, that's a that's a sacrifice to a lot of people. A lot of people love Dave Chappelle, love Chappelle show. I love Chappelle show. The first two, I, you know, I love Chappelle show. Both you know, both seasons, both seasons. But when he made that announcement, I was like, nah, can't watch it anymore, period. And enough people had that same sentiment to where they stopped watching it. And this was the, these are the benefits that, uh, and it benefited Dave Chappelle, but it also benefited, you know, it also shows, you know, as a society, as a group, as individuals, as a group, what can be trans, what can happen when uh everyone people are on the same page it's to me a matter of how far are you willing to go how much are you willing to sacrifice i mentioned this with the nfl if enough of these quarterbacks say hey i'll sit i will sit out a season you know what i'm not playing for this franchise anymore if deshaun Watson says i'll sit out season that's a major sacrifice, sacrificing anywhere from $30 million. Then, you know, he's probably he's gonna get his wish and get probably get traded in the offseason. Fran Hampton um was willing to die for what he believed in and recognized in terms of power, you know, the power of the people. Recognize that, identify that, that was probably one of the genius of Fred Hampton. One of the geniuses of Fred Hampton was, you know, was identifying that at such a young age, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, 21 years old. So that is the jewel that stood out to me in, in this little, uh, snippet that I saw uh, with, with, with Dave Chappelle. And I think we forget how much power we do have because we get frustrated by, you know, what's going on uh, in our society. Because you do, you have more power than you, than you believe, than you think, than you think you do have. You really do. Couple of things uh, before I let you go. Um, so, in, I, I, 
I've not been into, into the college basketball like I have in past years, and it's not even close. I mean, you everybody's to, to this program from the Saturday morning wake-up call to the Serial Queen Review to now Real Deal podcast knows that I'm a college basketball fanatic. Um, now, you know, I've watched the, I watched some of the games and followed some of the storylines. So I, I understand, you know, that, you know, Baylor, that Gonzaga and Baylor are clearly the two teams to beat, all due respect to the Big Ten, which has three of the top five teams in the country uh, with uh, Ohio State, uh, Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, Illinois. Um, but I think when you look at college basketball right now, right now, you have Gonzaga and Baylor playing at this incredible level. That's one story. The second story is how many of our beloved blue blood programs are struggling. Uh, Kentucky's probably not going to make the tournament this year. Duke doesn't look like they're going to make the tournament. Michigan State will, will be a is on the bubble. North Carolina is on the bubble. Those are four. Kansas just you know got back into the rankings rankings this week. Last week they dropped out the rankings rankings for the first time in twelve years. Uh, they're not a championship contender contender though uh, contender. Um, so I mean, you look at the rankings rankings. You see teams like Creighton and Drake, um, Loyola Chicago. San Diego State. I mean, see, see some of these teams that you like, huh? Like, what, like, what are they doing here? Um, so, you know, this is a, this is a, it's been, been a tough year for college basketball with the pandemic, and just you know, when you don't have those programs near at the top, then college basketball has been has gotten spoiled with the Duke, with North Carolina and Dukes and Kentucky's always being there, Michigan State's to a lesser extent always being there year in and year out. It's not the case this year. It's not the case at all. I'm, I'm just blown away um, by how missed. I, I'm, it's, I, I just don't know. I, I guess I should. I don't know how Kentucky is this bad, to be honest with you. I just, it's, it's very confusing. Like, you know, it's very confusing to see how bad how Kentucky is this bad. That's why I'm not a Cal Perry fan at all, um, one of the most overrated coaches in college sports because you're getting all these NBA quote-unquote draft picks and all these number one uh, recruits year in and year out. Nick Saban does the same thing, but Nick Saban wins championships. He wins championships every year. Like, you got, you know, got seven, what, seven of them, six of them, six of them at Alabama. He gets so, and he loses players every year as well to the NFL, to the NFL. Um, but he wins all the time. For all the pros that John Calipari has garnered over his, during his tenure at Kentucky, he has one championship. One. Think about that. One. What year did he came in? Twenty. Think he came there in twenty twenty ten. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand nine, two thousand ten season was his, his first season. So he's been there. I think this is his twelfth year at Kentucky. It's one title. So, you know, you, this is a year where was it was going to be about chemistry. It was going to be about probably you know veteran players, 
the, you know, the juniors, sophomores and juniors on on these various on these teams, the experience teams being able to deal with the mental mental strain that a pandemic or that not playing for two or three weeks can have can have on you. Uh, again, it certainly has not affected Gonzaga or uh, Baylor. That that is, of course, the dream national championship that, that I think we will see. Uh, but again, it's been a very it's been very interesting to see all of these blue blood teams struggling. All of them had high hopes. I mean, Kentucky was was top ten preseason. Duke definitely was top ten preseason. North Carolina was top fifteen. Michigan State was top twenty. All of them was, was ranked high in the preseason before the season started. Was high, well, highly regarded before the season started. So it's not like they came into people saw this coming. People did not see this coming at all. Um, so again, I starting to get a little bit more into college basketball as as we head towards the tournament. Uh, be you know certainly got my eyes on Gonzaga and Baylor as those two teams are seemingly colliding to a, a possible matchup in the national, in the, uh, national championship. Um, last week, there was a lot of talk in terms of who was the GOAT in team sports. And, um, you know, the names, you know, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan come up, um, come, come up at the top of the list, LeBron to a lesser extent. And I, it just, it was, and, and then a tweet came out. A friend of mine sent me a tweet that Bill Russell sent out late last week. I think it was third, probably Thursday, Thursday or Friday, I mean, maybe one of those days. So he basically sent, he basically had a picture of, of him and all his, his 11 rings and said, you're getting closer. And I'm all here for it. Um, I, I absolutely, it, probably the, my, the, the best tweet I've seen in 2021. My favorite tweet of 2021. If there's a, a you know, uh, if I have the tweet of the year, it would be that so far because the amount of disrespect that Bill Russell gets, despite the fact that he is the most accomplished athlete in the history of team sports, is it is. It, I mean, it's it, it's, just, it's remarkable how a guy who was the best player on a team that won 11 championships in 13 years, eight straight, has five MVPs, outplayed Wilt Chamberlain constantly, never lost to the Lakers, never lost to the Lakers, um, you know, undefeated in game sevens, 11 and won the NBA finals. I think part of it is because he doesn't have the accolades that he should have, that if he were if he came along in today's game, like, and then what I mean by that is there was not a defensive player of the year award around. There was no finals MVPs award around. There was no, they didn't keep block shots. So Bill Russell would have about seven to eight defensive player of the year awards. He would have, he would probably be along with Will Chamberlain, the all-time leader in, in career block shots. And he would probably have any God knows how many six or seven, maybe more NBA Finals MVPs. They named the award after him for a reason. Okay, so that that contributes to it. And plus, again, again, it goes, it it goes. You know, it's a generational thing as well. If you didn't see Bill Russell play, or if you're not wasn't, or you're not a basketball nerd like I am, 
and we'll go back and watch YouTube or read a lot of stuff on Russell and, and, and what he things that he did. But even I even see people older than me who just immediately go towards the modern play, go towards Jordan, LeBron, Magic, Kareem, uh, Will, Shaq, Kobe, you know, even those guys. And just, just without regard, don't even mention Bill Russell in in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in those conversations. Which again, you know, again, if, we're, if I'm ranking top three players of all time, it's Jordan, Russell, uh, Kareem, and I had LeBron fourth. And when I put LeBron fourth over third over Kareem, okay, I, I, I have no problem with that. But I'm giving you that; those are my top four. Uh, you know, Jordan, Russell, Kareem, and LeBron. So again, it's, it's just, again, I if, if Bill Russell came along now and did what he did, and people could actually witness it, it wouldn't even be a discussion in regards to who's the greatest player of all time or who's the greatest, or or it, it just it wouldn't be. Kim Brown was the best player on the team that won eight straight championships. I get, I think the fact that we did lobby, we didn't see it. We kind of just don't believe it. Don't believe that. I almost don't believe that it didn't that it happened. Or we, or they'll, or you'll hear people talk about, well, the playoffs weren't as long as they were, and so and so, and this and that. I'm like, well, okay, everybody had the same amount of rounds to go through in the playoffs. You had less teams, which means there was there was more talent on each team. Okay, there were multiple Hall of Famers on each, on every team just about. At least minimum one. Most teams even, in, most, a lot of teams even have two. Okay. So, I'm not buying that. Um, again, I would just encourage, encourage anybody, just, just, just go check out Bill Russell's highlights. Go check out what Bill Russell actually Accomplish. Um, so, more to end, I'll end the program with that. Um, as always, this is the Real Deal Podcast. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, this podcast will be up before the, you know later on this evening, uh, or maybe even early Tuesday morning. Have a great rest of the evening and rest of the week. I will see you. Next, I will see you later on in the week. I'm out.